0: Welcome and Thanks for tuning in. This is HeartStock Radio. I am your host, Carol Murphy, and Clark Grant is in the studio. Today, our guest is Ari Goldstein, and he is with Greasy Point Energy. In just a moment, Ari will be with us and tell us all about what he is up to. Remember that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com, and you can also find us on Facebook, where we post our upcoming programs and yeah, our pre recorded programs can be found there as well. In just a moment, Ari will be with us and tell us all about what's going on there at Breezy Point Energy. This is Heartstock. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and today our guest is Ari Goldstein. He is with Breezy Point Energy. Hello, Ari. How are you?
1: Great, Carol. Thank you for having me.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing your story. And can you give our listeners a little intro of Breezy Point and what you do there?
1: Sure. So I'm the CEO and founder of Breezy Point Energy. We're a renewable energy company with a focus on finding new technology to solve the much-needed problem of climate change. And we have found a solution to reduce the carbon footprint for the largest energy users in the marketplace.
0: Excellent. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what that solution looks like?
1: Absolutely. So we have created a blended energy, which is consists of wind, solar, and storage. In addition, we will have a backup generator, which will not be diesel-driven. It will either be green hydrogen or a biofuel, and that will allow us to give our clients, the off-takers, 24-7, 365 renewable energy.
0: And how did you get into this line of work uh, of renewables, Ari?
1: Totally by accident. I formerly had a marketing company and someone called me one day and said, hey, can you help me with my wind project in upstate New York? And I really didn't know much about the industry. I said, just give me a couple of weeks to do my due diligence. And I did that. But I didn't need two weeks. I needed about 24 hours to find out how harmful the carbon footprint left by burning fossil fuels was on people's health throughout the United States and the world for that matter. So I decided within 24 hours, this is something that I could be passionate about. And then very shortly after, I started helping this person with marketing for his uh, wind project in New York State.
0: Is that where you're from?
1: I'm from originally from New York. Yes, born in the Bronx, which uh, actually in Riverdale, the Bronx, which is in New York, part of one of the suburbs. And I am also uh, I also went to high school in Manhattan uh, before leaving to go elsewhere.
0: What was that like for you growing up there? Um, were there any influences that you can look back upon that maybe have prepared you for this journey in life?
1: My influencers, I don't know if I would say prepared me for a journey in energy, but prepared me for a journey in more of who I am as a person. And I think energy is, an especially renewable energy, is helping me get to those places. And I would say the, that was... My grandparents they were uh, amazing people, very kind. They taught me how to be kind and giving, caring, loving your family and friends and were extremely inspiring. In fact, that's how I got the name Breezy Point Energy because both my both sets of my grandparents belong to a beach club in Far Rockaway, Breezy Point, Queens. And when I was looking for a word, instead of using the word wind, I, I said to myself breezy. And as soon as I said breezy, obviously breezy point came to mind. And that's how I got breezy point energy. And immediately I thought, this is this is coming from my grandparents who were watching over
0: me. Mm. And And what were their stories? I mean, so many of the entrepreneurs that we interview on Heartstock had their origins in Europe or Africa, all parts of the planet. I mean, that's kind of the melting pot of who we are. What's your family's history?
1: Sure. So uh, my family is all uh, European Jews from combination of Russia, Poland, and that area of, of uh, Europe. And they they did travel over at different times. But my grandmother uh, did my grandmother on my mother's side did uh, escape the Holocaust and came over with her family. And she was an entrepreneur. She owned her own retail store. My other grandmother was a social worker and worked for for free at a hospital for over 30 years. And then both my Grandfathers were extremely hardworking salespeople, both in the garment district. And I definitely got a a great work ethic uh, from all of them.
0: What was it like growing up in the Bronx? Did you see that early on in your childhood, there was a, a big mixture of people from all parts of the world? Did you get a flavor of that growing up there?
1: Where I lived in Riverdale, there was definitely a, a decent melting pot. Uh, I, I definitely had my ne- next door neighbors were from Japan. My other next door neighbors were from Korea. And I definitely had a wide range of friends growing up in Riverdale. But beyond that, because my parents were divorced when I was at a young age, When we went and spent weekends with my father, we would also, for the most part, spend it in Brooklyn. So I was between Bronx and Brooklyn with a very diverse group of people that my father had us uh, spend time with, who I will always consider and do today as more family than friends. And I, I was very lucky, very fortunate to be able to be around so many different cultures and learn from everyone.
0: And then you you mentioned that your background was in marketing. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, early on, did you go from high school to college and was that your major in marketing?
1: Sure. So uh, I first went to Dean, which is located in Boston or outside of Boston proper. And I went there because I wanted to be a professional baseball player and that was gonna be my first step. Uh, After an injury, that didn't work out. Uh, So I I did, and I was taking marketing classes. Uh, I just so happened to like marketing, but I was doing that at a much er earlier stage without actually understanding what marketing was. When I did get to, and when I finished at Dean, then I actually went to Fordham in Manhattan and finished there at the same time doing uh, sales for electronics company that was affiliated with Sony. So I got to learn from some really amazing people in not just sales, but also in marketing of one of the world's best brands. So from that experience, I then, uh, joined my mother's PR company at the time. And I grew that company from just a PR company to a full-service PR, marketing, advertising, social media, branding, and event company. And we were located in the Empire State Building for over 10 years.
0: Let's talk about your mom. When did she, It sounds like she was an entrepreneur as well. When did she kind of go into business for, were she in business for herself?
1: Um, Yeah, both my my parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, My father had owned a clothing company and was a licensee for Jordache, Guess, and a few other brands. And my mother had a small boutique PR company that was mostly just PR for clients in the jewelry industry.
0: Okay. And then it sounds like the company, when you joined that company, it evolved. Can you talk about that a little bit, you know, when, when you came on and what made you decide to expand the company?
1: Sure. So when I left working for an electronics company, uh, I was asked, by my mother to join her company and build that company. And she pretty much gave me free reins to do what I did best, which was to grow and create new opportunity. So not only did we increase our billing by more than a thousand percent, but we were able to take on bigger and better clients, which was a, a big reason where, why and where I am today. Because I was fortunate enough to learn from people with with an amazing experience. And I was able to sponge off their knowledge. And that gave me the opportunity not only to share that knowledge, but to build my company, Breezy Point Energy, to where we are today. And that's
0: a great segue into where what I'd like to talk about next, which is kind of the history of your company. When was it founded and um, where you're at today?
1: Sure. So we were founded in 2017. And even just the, the fact that we're in Montana was also something that was just meant to be. Because before that, as I mentioned, I was working on a project in New York State And I happened to have a call with a gentleman in Montana by accident. And he said he had a project for me in Montana. And that turned into what we're developing currently. And I was always a big fan of Montana. I went there for the first time when I was 15. Absolutely loved it. And to tell you the truth, every time I go, I never want to leave. The only thing that brings me back to the East Coast is that my family is here. But if I could ever get my family out to Montana, I, I would never leave.
0: And what was that project here in Montana? How did that, that evolve?
1: Was, sure. That was to build a wind renewable energy project because the area in which there was some studies done prior has a major, major wind resource. So I was looking at that as just a wind project but over the few years we've pivoted so many times from our original plan to self sustain the energy using it for ourselves with primarily just wind and storage but now we are we are a full solution of wind solar storage gensets as backup And we still are self-sustaining the energy, but now we're self-sustaining it for the biggest energy users on the planet. And those are the cloud providers like the Googles, Microsofts, Amazons, Facebooks, Oracles of the world, as well as the cryptocurrency miners and vertical indoor farmers. Those three groups use more energy than any other group in the entire planet.
0: And where in Montana is this breezy point, so to speak? Uh, I know the eastern part of the state is so much different geographically, geologically than uh, the western part where we are here in Butte. Could we say this is the windiest place in the state?
1: We're def- we're definitely in the windiest part, and pretty much anything that's just east of the Rockies, you're going to find that you see. And feel tremendous wind resource uh, almost 24 7, 365, as you've probably witnessed over the years.
0: And where in Montana is that?
1: Glacier County.
0: Gotcha. Okay, we're gonna take our midway point break here. And uh, thank you so much for listening to Heartstock. We'll be right back with Ari Goldstein of Breezy Point Energy. Thanks for tuning in. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and today we are speaking with Ari Goldstein of Breezy Point Energy. How you doing there, Ari?
1: Um, excellent. Thank you so much for asking. How you doing?
0: I'm doing excellent. Now, now, where are you located right now? Where are you speaking with us from?
1: Currently, I'm in West Orange, New Jersey. That's where, where I reside at the moment. But as soon as I'm able, I will definitely be moving to Montana full time.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about Breezy Point a little bit more. You mentioned uh, the connection to climate change and renewables. And this is something, you know, we've all been talking about renewable energy for many, many years. But I would imagine, um, you know, part of the reason... We're not all operating here in the United States on renewables is it it's not easy. Tell us a little bit about that, Ari. What are some of the the challenges and oh, you know what what's preventing all of us from really experiencing renewable energies in all phases of our our lives?
1: Yeah, so you make a good point. it is not easy it's not commonplace and most people i think when they think of renewable energy they think of solar panels on top of someone's home now because of electric vehicles and a company like tesla who makes batteries that can go into your garage you can actually create some of that energy and store it in the batteries and then have a a longer Lifespan of that energy in your own home. But what we're doing is on a utility scale, much larger footprint because climate change is real. It is happening and we need to really take control of it. And actually, it needed to be done over 50 years ago. And we are making a difference in our customer base being the largest users of energy. They all have the same goal. Their goal is to be at a zero carbon footprint, meaning they're burning no fossil fuels. So we're aiming to bring all of these potential clients online to use what we what we are doing, which is a microgrid. We are not using the utility. And the reason for that is the utility cannot, cannot actually gain the bandwidth needed for these large data centers, these cloud providers, the cryptocurrency miners, and the indoor vertical farmers. So that's one of the problems that we're having, getting enough renewable energy to everyone, is the fact that the infrastructure is so old that you'd have to upgrade all the electrical lines, transmission lines, and substations, which you're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars and years and years to get that actually approved between government, state, and then local places. So with that said, that's why one of the reasons why we came up with the idea of creating a microgrid system, which is not using the utility. It's called behind the meter or off grid of the different terms you may have heard. And we will be building on our site, the energy resources supplying on the same site to the data centers, the crypto miners, and the indoor farmers. It's something that's not being done at all to the capacity that we're doing it. And we're a company of solutions. We hear tons and tons of problems regarding how to get this energy and how to get it to be consistent for 24-7 renewable energy all the time. We've come up with that solution. And not only are we going to be able to do it in our current footprint in Montana, we hope to be able to do it throughout the state of Montana and then throughout the country.
0: So is Montana kind of your, your test station, so to speak? And Will this be going to users outside of the state or just to the users inside of Montana?
1: So Montana is definitely our starting point, but not, it, it will not be our ending point either. I plan on working within the state of Montana for the rest of my life. There's no other place that i rather be personally. With that said, Right now, we're not able to deliver to consumers. We're only going to be able to deliver energy to large-scale energy users on our property because we're, we will not be able to deliver energy to the grid. We would love to work that out at some point with local utilities in Montana and throughout the rest of the United States. But again, there are utilities are not capable of taking on the amount of energy that we can supply. We're building gigawatts of energy where the supply on the local transmission lines can maybe take 1% to 2% of that.
0: So the users will be located in the same place as the energy production stations. Is that right?
1: correct that's exactly correct and it's it's called behind the meter or off-grid because we won't be using the transmission lines we've created this solution of blended energy with our wind store storage resources and the storage technology that we're using is not traditional battery storage it's a new technology proven technology And something that we're extremely excited to share with everyone once we start building and start making our official announcements with our partnership with these companies.
0: And how do you get the companies to agree to relocate to wherever your production facilities are? I can definitely see the advantages of that, not having the expense of constructing lines across state lines and whatnot. So how do you get them to agree to relocate their facilities to where you are generating the energy?
1: Sure. So there's quite a few reasons why they would. The first one being that they have a need for renewable energy. If you look at these large companies, And you should start noticing that they're saying that they have goals of being either 100% zero carbon footprint or carbon neutral, or even some are bold enough to say carbon negative within the next 10 years. And some have actually made a hard stop at 2030. We have the solution for these companies to actually have a zero carbon footprint today. We could start building for them today if this is something that they wanted to do. So that's one of their biggest needs. In addition, because we're not going through the transmission lines and we do not have the same cost and we've been very creative in our company. We've been able to lower the levelized cost of energy so that they're paying a lower cost, which is obviously extremely important to them. We're also creating jobs and we have a a huge give back. We are a for-profit company, but one thing that's extremely important to us is giving back. So we will be giving back to the local community. In this case, happens to be uh, a tribe and we will be giving back to this tribe in different forms over time as we build our relationships and trust with them and we plan on continue doing that throughout the united states but that's something that's a big passion for us and we will continue not only working with the local communities creating jobs and giving back but also with children homeless And hungry, because our mission is well beyond just making money and creating energy. We want to fight climate change. We want to help local communities, children, and hungry and homeless.
0: When do you anticipate beginning construction?
1: We will start construction by next year, and we're really able to build to suit. So we think by Q2 of 2022, we should be shovels in the ground and building. And it takes a large team because what we're doing needs, we need to wire in dark fiber for the connectivity, has to operate at under two milliseconds for these big cloud providers and cryptocurrency miners in order for them to get what they need in getting information from point A to point B. We have water resources, we have land and land to expand to. We also have hubs local that we can connect the dark fiber to that allow our clients to have connectivity with multiple carriers. So if someone like Verizon went down, they could also have AT&T and Sprint and so on. So everything that we're doing, we've created solutions for multiple redundancies. Therefore, the the energy will not go down, the fiber points will not go down, the connectivity will not go down, the water resource will not go down, and our land is scalable. So they can build within the same footprint without, without having to jump around from state to state, which a lot of them do at the moment.
0: So you mentioned dark fiber. Can you tell us, uh, explain exactly how that plays into the whole scheme of things, what it is? And we probably have maybe about uh, two minutes left here.
1: So dark fiber are just uh, lines, high speed lines that do not run anything else on them. So they are just dedicated for the source that we're going to be hooking up to for their use only and no one else's.
0: And how might listeners find you? This is um, a much bigger conversation than what, what we really have time for, but um, I'm sure uh, folks who are curious how could they, how could they locate and find you Ari?
1: Sure. So they can definitely look me up on LinkedIn at Ari B Goldstein or they can go to our website breezypointenergy.com and please use the email to contact me.
0: Fantastic. Um, This is Heartstock, and we've been speaking with Ari Goldstein of Breezy Point Energy. And as usual, we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.
1: Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m.
0: Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there And on the sign it said, no trespassing but on the other side, et, 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 et.